So this is new. Welcome into Nacho's Glen House Stories podcast. This is number eight. And I'm also attempting to simulcast live this on Instagram. So this podcast is going to be a little bit of a different story. And I, the story here is going to relate to where gardening and horticulture has been and where it's going. And there are some things about where it's going that are really exciting. But like a lot of new directions, there are some scary things. And right off the bat, I'm going to tell you a quick little story here. So when we decided to move back from Connecticut to Tennessee after two years in uh, the tundra of Connecticut, it was really important for me that we knew where we were going. I had a lot of growing experience, ran a big nursery. We've had the gardens here for almost 11 years at that point. So my, my technical knowledge wasn't a concern. But I was really concerned about our marketing and how we were going to approach it, how we were going to brand it, what was going to allow us to be successful with what we were trying to do. And when we came back, I reached out to a lot of people in the greater Nashville area, and the support was tremendous. And then I looked nationally, and I wanted to see, hey, who else is growing flowers successfully out there in the universe? And I saw people, you know, varying experience levels, what seemed to be varying levels of success. But the one thing I noticed was there was never a lot of technical talk. There was always a lot of pictures of flowers, which is great. I post a ton of pictures of flowers. No hate on the flower pictures. But as a grower, I thought, boy, it'd it'd be nice if people were sharing that information. Uh, what cultivars do well, what cultivars didn't do well for them, different varieties, how did they do? But I wasn't seeing a lot of that. And then I started to notice a trend. There was a trend of, hey, look at me, look at what I'm growing, and then let me sell you the knowledge, not the product. Here's where we get into dicey situations with growing. There is no correlation between how I grow things here in Tennessee and how someone would grow things up in Minnesota. Our challenges are really uniquely different. It's even worse. Not only the easy one, climate, hot, cold, cold, hot, whatever it might be, but then we get into soil, soil composition. Then we get into just overall awareness. How how many times have you grown delphiniums in your life? How do you know what a good-looking delphinium is and a bad-looking delphinium is? Is this normal, right? These are all questions I've always heard throughout my life with plants over the last 10, 15 years. You really don't know until you do it, right? It's a hard thing to say to someone, this is how you learn if a delphinium looks good or not. This is what you do on this day. The challenge of being a grower is that every year is just a tad different. Every year has unique challenges. And now what I'm seeing is, and we'll get into this because this gets interesting for any of you that like the drama or gossip of social media. It's going to get interesting again in a second. Now I'm seeing people really not just put small price tags on knowledge, but big ones. $4,200 for a three-day Rose Workshop. Now, allegedly, this comes with food and a place to stay. But trust me, I'm somebody who stayed and traveled a lot of different places. 
three nights for $4,200 people? Really, honestly, we all have Google. We can search for things, right? Hotels.com, a lot of hotels you can book for way cheaper than that rate. And I think the concern here is false hope. In the 1980s and 1990s, there were television infomercials for any of you that remember. Ron Popeil, right? This was one of the first groundbreakers. You had the pocket fisherman. Expert or amateur will love Popeil's pocket fisherman. It's rod, reel, line, bobber, hook, the whole thing. Yes, it's fishing fun for the whole family and only $19.95. What a gift. You have this set it and forget it roaster. Had this very too good to be true kind of vibe. And another thing, for those of you that don't know, in the 1990s, I was working in media and we produced commercials. And one of the things that was so interesting about that time was eventually the claims on these infomercials got so intense that we actually had to put disclaimers before them. We, you've all seen them, right? If you're old enough, or even if you're not old enough, you can YouTube it, where you'd have to say the following claims in this commercial are not necessarily those of this television station or anyone else. It may or may not be true. It was like that. And a lot of what I'm seeing on Instagram and social media is similar to that right now with gardening. And I want to make sure that anybody out there that has aspirations to grow things is doing it in a smart way. And I can tell you from having a ton of experience in this category and literally traveling the entire country for five years, meeting and knowing growers and horticultural minds who don't even have Instagram accounts, that are some of the best in the world, that not one of them that I ever met went to a $4,200 three-day rose workshop. You know what all of them did? They grew plants. They invested their money and learned through the experience. Hence the word, experience. Now let me get into the gossipy part of this. So the same Rose grower that's offering these classes, I've interacted with quite a few times on Instagram. And uh, this Rose grower claims, and I won't get into this too much, but claims to do organic growing of her roses. And I'm not judgmental of that if that is or isn't your choice in gardening. Any of you that have followed me know I've talked about this subject before. But I do think you need to be transparent completely with your choices. I think if you claim to be organic and you're not, that's an issue. And if you're in my case, where I've said very clearly numerous times, I do what I feel is in the best interest of the plants, then that too. And in fact, there's an Instagram archive story that you can always check out where me ranting on these subjects and more about thrips than you ever wanted to know. Horrible bug. So this same grower today decided to block me on Instagram. And I don't really care, quite frankly, but I do find it interesting. Uh, I'm reaching out to actually several of these people, and I really want to have the conversation about why are we charging this much money for these workshops? Maybe I'm missing something here in the context of a $4,200 three-day weekend or a $2,000 online course. Maybe there's some kind of secret sauce that I'm unaware of. 
So the question you would ask yourself is, well, Steve, if you don't think these workshops are a good idea, what do you think would be? Let's use the $2 numbers for a second, shall we? And yes, I do talk with my hands this much if you're watching on Instagram. $4,200. I'm going to ballpark this for you. I don't want to pull down the curtain too much. You could buy well over wholesale 200 rose plants for $4,200. 200 rose plants. Do you know the experience that you would get? Even let's go on the far end of the universe and say, those rose plants, all 200 of them, and this would never happen, die. Do you know the invaluable experience you would earn and have by having 200 rose plants die? I would actually get a t-shirt that said it. Far more experience than you would ever get for a $4,200 three-day workshop. And that's the point. Growing plants is how you gain knowledge. You can learn fundamental basic ideals through things called Google, through things that we used to have called books. And those will give you sort of the fundamental foundational pieces. But then when you get out there, the, the old adage, of course, get your hands dirty, literally in gardening. Those are the ways you're going to really learn. So my concern here is that we're heading down this new path where social media has allowed for people to get involved and see things through just that lens of social media. And because you might be new to gardening, you think that's the answer. Look at this person. Look how successful they are. I see them on social media. They're roses, they're dahlias, they're peonies, they're puppy dogs, whatever it is, are so spectacular. That's the person I need to pay $4,200 to. No, you don't. In fact, for you listening to the podcast, for you watching the Instagram here, I have decided the same weekend in May, I'm going to counter-program this Rose Workshop and offer you a two-day weekend Rose Masterclass. And the price is going to be, wait for it, Dremel. We need a Dremel. In the podcast, I'll put a drum roll sound effect free. That's the cost. I'm a firm believer in not monetizing knowledge. I am a believer in people supporting what we're doing, supporting the ideals of supporting local growers that do really interesting, unique things from edibles to flowers, whatever it may be. But I am not a fan of people trying to charge you 4,200, I mean, how many times? And by the way, can I mention this to you folks? The $4,200, which is a funny number, by the way, go $3,999.99, right? That's, that's, that's the used car adage. If you're going to go down that road, go all the way down that road. The $4,200 does not even include airfare to get there. And this is in California. So, Let's, let's say you're lucky, right? And you don't mind being a cattle on Southwest Airlines and you're willing for four delays and uh, three layovers in between. Maybe depending upon where you're coming from, that's a $400 round trip ticket on top of that. So now we're at, give or take, $5,000 almost. 
And the other thing, let me, that was a balloon bursting. If you think this is a tax write-off, you know the roses that I mentioned that you could buy? Guess what those would be? A tax write-off if this is your business. I would much rather see you spend $5,000 in plants, like I mentioned, and write that off on your taxes as a capital expenditure for your business than having a three-day weekend to California. Now, on the flip side of that, if you want to spend $4,800 and do this, more power to you, but I want you to go into it with open eyes and what it is. The other thing are these online workshops that I need to speak about. The online workshops, the rates that they are listed at is the exact same thing to me. I already used the phrase, get your hands dirty. Um, as far as we've come with technology, as big of a user of, I, of it as I am, virtual technology, augmented reality, um, you can't get your hands dirty via the online classes. I mean, trust me, I mean, I've stuck my hand into my monitors before. It, it's not worked. Um, I've busted a nail a couple of times. I mean, it just, it, it, it is befuddling to me that anyone believes that you are going to learn sufficient garden knowledge through a $2,000 online workshop of any kind. So let me go full circle with this. In the coming weeks, I've been able to successfully, it was borderline pulling teeth to schedule guests. Many of the best people in horticulture have also been, I don't want to use the word reclusive, but I will use the word private. They are sometimes so passionate and involved in their work that that's all they do is their work. And there are people that if you go visit them, they'll, they'll talk to you all day. Trust me, I've been there. And as you can know from me talking, we're there literally all day. They're open with their information, but they're also skewing slightly older. So technology is not necessarily their BFF. And the idea of charging money to share would be impossible to them. That would not be something they would ever consider. So I'm going to have those people on the podcast in the coming weeks. And I hope that we can start to paint a picture for you of maybe some of the difference and close the gap between some of the most respected horticultural people who have literally spent their entire lives, we're talking 60, 70 years of a lifetime, on learning about plants and sharing that and contrasting it to some of what we're seeing on social media, that you've been growing roses professionally for four years, five years. You've been growing dahlias for 10 years. And now suddenly you think you're in a position where you can charge thousands of dollars for workshops. This is a really new concept, and in particular, a new concept to the plant and horticultural world. Let's talk history, and let's talk these people. Hopefully, you listen to episode story number seven 
about David Austin with Rebecca Reed. We've had great response from that, great listenership from it too. So thanks everyone for listening to that. Remember, subscribe, rate, review. If you do, I'll send you free Dahlia Tubers. Rebecca and I talked for over an hour about David Austin. We're going to have Michael Marriott, who uh, was significant in David Austin's world uh, from the 80s onward to today, still works for David Austin, one of the most uh, respected Rosarians in the entire world on the podcast uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. And what you really get a sense of from David Austin, who, by the way, a rose grower that I'm mentioning with the $4,200 workshops, many of the roses she grows are, wait for it, David Austin's roses. And David never charged $4,200 for those workshops, but she's growing his roses. Something to think about. But what we really got a sense of, and everyone who I've spoken with over the last week or two who, who knew David Austin Sr. extremely well, have all said humble was the key word about him. And also endlessly curious and pursuing new roses and new ideas about roses. That was what kept him moving. I find it hard to believe that he would have ever been someone who would have gotten to a point where he would have said, ah, you know what? I have learned so much now that I am now ready to charge money for my knowledge. All the great growers I've ever met, do you know when they start to put a dollar on something? They put it on the plant, right? The hybridized rose that David Austin finally felt just comfortable enough with to say, I'm going to put this plant out there in the market and charge money for it. And even then, I will guarantee you, and we'll ask Michael this question too, even that was probably a tough choice to say, yes, I'm willing to put my name on this rose. I'm willing to put my company's name on this rose and then charge a customer money for it. It's not a decision that any grower that I've ever met comes to lightly, more or less charging for workshops. What can you do? I think that's the next question. You're someone who has aspirations to grow flowers, either professionally, where you think you're going to turn that into a profit of some kind, or you're someone who has a garden and you want to grow more flowers, more cut flowers, or you want to grow Japanese maples, or you want to grow evergreen conifers, whatever it is. What do you do? Paul Zimmerman was my guest on the podcast several weeks back. I think it was story number three. I'm losing track, which is good. We're at eight and I'm horrible with numbers. Paul has an entire set of YouTube videos, Paul Zimmerman, Roses, go to YouTube, that are fantastic. Really good information. There's a lot of them. I think he has well over two dozen. He started doing them well before social media was really a thing. I think even before uh, Facebook was active. And those are a great resource if you wanted to do Roses. This would be fantastic. Watch all of Paul's videos. Do you know how much money you'll pay for those videos? Maybe there'll be some YouTube pre-rolls. That's about it. 
free, free. That's what it'll be. So that for me is one of the things I cannot tell you enough. Actually, in our gardening rules story, that was one of my rules. Use the internet people, Google, the amount of great information about how to grow roses, how to grow dahlias that's out there is mind boggling. Have you ever looked at the little, how many results you get on a Google search? Have you seen some of the numbers sometimes? They're ridiculous. They're like 8 million, 10 million. You could be there the rest of your life learning about dahlias or roses. People like Paul have put effort and time and those are free resources for you to use about roses specifically. There are, go on YouTube, just search dahlia growing. The other thing, I am really committed for myself here with Natchez Glenn in creating as much content as I possibly can that is free. And the only thing I ever ask in exchange is you just pay attention, give a like, give a comment, interact with myself and the content. If you have questions, throw them at me. The more questions, the better. That to me is the first step if you are someone that wants to do it. You have to be open to finding information that you can exchange with, not paying money for online workshops or in-person workshops that are astronomical. If you are a person who has aspirations to grow flowers for commercial, a flower farm, let's call it, the biggest advice that I can give to you besides following me on Instagram, is reach out through social media to other people that are doing it and see if you can visit them. Let me throw another tidbit information out there to you. This is also more insight and gossip from the world of social media. So when we moved to Connecticut, we were going to start a flower farm there. I reached out to several online social media active flower farms that were in that region and said, would you mind if I visited your flower farm? I want to start one in Connecticut. It's not like we were two miles down the road. These were, someone was in Pennsylvania even. I was willing to travel a little bit. The big thing that was surprising to me, I didn't hear back from any of those people. That was really unusual for me to have that happen. Most of the people I've always reached out to about plants had always reached back to me and said, absolutely, I'd love to have you. Here's a time. In fact, myself, I had someone from Minnesota just reach out to me yesterday about visiting here in the spring. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Come enjoy the gardens. We'll talk. There's something more fun, right? Anybody in your life that you know that's passionate about is the same subject that you are, getting together with them and talking about it, it's a fun thing for all of us. So I got suspicious with that. Then coincidentally, uh, through again, Google, I was able to find a local dahlia grower that was literally 20 minutes away from me. They had a website that I'll just say uh, to be kind. It was dated. We all know what we're talking about. You come across a website every now and then that you're like, oh, this is some 1999 work. And I reached out to them. And guess what? They were like, yeah, come on by. And I met my friends, Jay and Gary, who have a really large dahlia farm in Connecticut. 
Now, both of them, as you can tell by the 1990s website, are not tech people. They're not in that universe. They're not on Instagram. I believe he actually did say, what is that? That book face, literally, not even as a joke, right? But a literal book face reference. They're not in that world, but they were super willing to help. They actually gave me free Dahlia tubers for like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. I would go over there and sometimes cut flowers just to see how the cut flowers from them would do. They were super gracious with their time. But the farms that were from social media weren't? Do we find that suspicious at all? Do we look at this and go, for any of us that are getting maybe a little, wow, where is social media going? That these farms that can't curate their narrative through social media get a little uncomfortable with people maybe seeing the IRL real life version of their farms. Things to think about. It's really important for me that you understand where I'm coming from here. I don't look at any of the farms or growers that are trying to charge these workshops. I don't want to say that I see them, I don't see them as evil. I don't know if it's good. Right, It's one of those in a movie where you're unsure. Is this good? Is this bad? Is this the hero? Is this the villain? I'm rather indifferent about what they're doing. I've always had this philosophy about this. The people that do these type things, I don't have bad feelings towards them, but I do want to watch out sometimes for the audience that maybe doesn't know. And that's really who I want you to share information with, that it's out there. If you know people, reach out and say, you know, I was listening to this podcast. I was watching this Instagram live about these workshops. Maybe you should check this out instead. Because that's really my concern here is I have seen the horticulture and gardening world go through far too many little ups followed by huge downs. And I'm concerned that that's maybe where we're going to head with this again. Throughout the life of horticulture and plants and gardening, the industry overall has been very quiet and at times afraid. There's always been an adage. It's like if you've ever done sales, right? You don't want to lose the sale. We don't want to say something that's going to make this customer not make this purchase. So we don't want to scare them. So we don't go full truth. We conveniently leave out some details that maybe would have thrown you off. And I don't want to see that happen again. And I'm at a place in my career where I've, I've said before, I really just don't care. I'm more than happy to be transparent with everything that I do here. I mean, in fact, I, I would probably argue that we and, and what I do here is the most transparent flower farm maybe ever. You can literally come out and cut flowers on a regular basis here. And because of that, I want to make sure that we really shine a light on anything that maybe isn't a full truth. And that's my concern, that we have people that are new to gardening, that want to grow roses. They see pictures on Instagram of maybe this 
flower grower in California or myself or whomever or their grandmother or they have some kind of sentimental attachment to roses, whatever your reasoning is, I want to make sure you have a good experience with it. And you don't spend your money and then feel a year later cheated or jaded or unfulfilled by promises and expectations that you had that don't come to reality. That's what I really want to see us avoid is another up and down. Let's get people super excited about gardening. Let's support those those people and the ideas that they have because they're new people. They're probably bringing great new fresh ideas to the table. The industry of gardening and horticulture don't tell them I said this. It needs new people. It needs people with new perspective. It needs people that have never done it before that say, you know what? I want to do this, but I think if I approach it like this way, a new angle, I may do better with it. That's been a huge failure of the horticulture and gardening world. People have been great growers of plants, but not always great marketers, not always good at putting themselves out there. A little too humble. Sometimes I've always joked, plant people sometimes are not people people. And that's been limiting in the world of gardening and horticulture. So we need new people. But what we don't need is for new people to see workshops and pay $4,200 for a three-day weekend. And then a year later go, but but it I thought it was going to work out and it didn't work out. And all you are is $4,200 poorer. So to wrap this up, in the coming weeks, we're going to have a huge amount of guests on the podcast. I'm going to amp up the amount of video content for 2019 that I'm doing here. In May of 2019, we are going to offer a free two-day weekend gardening workshop specifically about flowers here. Why? Because we're going to counter-program. Yes, that's right, I said it. Counter-program the $4,200 Rose Weekend in California. And you know what's so funny about it? Our roses here will be blooming just as beautifully, just as heavily as those ones in California. And if you're traveling, that's great because you know what you'll pay? Zero. I'm not going to charge a penny for the workshop. In fact, I'll do the workshop. I'll provide beverages. If you give me a heads up that you're coming from a different part of the country, I'll even put together some thoughts on it and some notes for you for your specific region. I have a lot of people around the country that I do know who grow roses like in places like Minnesota, colder climates. In my own experience, when I ran our nursery in Oregon, I literally traveled around the entire country. So there's very little climatically that I'm not aware of. So that'll be coming up in May. So I'm going to close this story this way. My life philosophy of all things has been both sides now, Joni Mitchell. We're to both sides now with social media. We see really awesome, exciting things, but maybe down the road, we'll see them as slightly dangerous and maybe slightly predatory even. Remember Ron Popeil? How many of those pocket fishermen are still being used this to this day? Not any. So we've got to be careful and know that in the moment, it may seem one way, but 
down the road, maybe it won't be the same. Look out my window, what do I see? A little bluebird looking back at me. He sings a song all alone in his nest. And I wonder if he's singing about loneliness. I open my window and take it all in. As I listen to a number by my new blue friend. Is he looking for a lover or did one just sleep? Does he really feel blue or does his color deceive? Tell me why is the bluebird blue? Is the song he sings a somber tune? Does he feel like I feel since I lost you? Tell me why is the bluebird in blue? A hummingbird don't hang around too long a living off of other bird songs And I heard somewhere that a robin weeps But the bluebird is still one that I can't read Tell me why is the bluebird blue? Is a song he sings a somber tune? Does he feel like I feel since I lost you? Tell me why is the bluebird blue? Spring is out and there's love in the air And I know that I've got plenty to share The bluebird's blue and but it's so in my hand I feel about as low as the bluebird flies Tell me why is the bluebird blue? Is a song he sings a somber tune? Does he feel like I feel since I lost you? Tell me why is the bluebird, why is the bluebird blue? Is a song he sings a somber tune? Does he feel like I feel since I lost you? Tell me why is the bluebird blue? Yeah, baby, why is the bluebird blue? Tell me why is the 